You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Good morning, Radiant Church. You guys doing well this morning? Yes. Happy Labor Day weekend. Hey, um, today is a family service. That means we have a lot of kids in here, so we can do this, all right? Parents, I'm for you. I'm not against you. And so we're going to do this together. First service was a little wild, but, you know, I think we'll, 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 we'll be okay today. If you have to leave for any reason, uh, parents, I get it. It's all good. I love you. Love kids. And so we will manage together. Well, hey, this morning we are in part number two of a series that we began just a few weeks ago entitled Be Radiant. So we're in a teaching series called be radiant. And what we're talking about in this series, we're taking about seven weeks, maybe eight weeks, I think, to talk about what it means to be radiant. What are our core values as a church? What do we truly value here as a church? Who are the people that we are becoming? And um, as you know, next week, we officially turn four years old, right? Clap your hands, someone couple staggered claps, but it's getting better, right? And so, hey, four years old, I want to invite you. We have our services just like normal next week, 9.30 and 11.15, so those will be normal. Uh, I want you to come back, though. I would love for you to come back at 4.30. We'll have um, burgers, hot dogs, uh, cookies, all kinds of yummy stuff. It'll all be free, so dinner is on us. So just bring your families. Come hungry. Bring your kids because we'll have bouncy houses Face painting, it's going to be an amazing time. And then about 6 o'clock or so, we'll gather in here and we'll have a night of worship with my friend Nate Meek from Radiant Church in Ludington, Michigan. So I think that's going to be amazing as well. And we would love to see you here and invite some friends. Now, being that we turned four years old, I thought this was the perfect time, the perfect opportunity for us to what? To really sort of revisit the foundation stones of who we are as a church. And last week I talked about that we are a Spirit-empowered church. That means the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and He is God's personal presence with us and in us. The Holy Spirit empowers, enables us to accomplish what? The mission of Jesus here on the earth. And Today I want to talk about that mission. What is that mission? Maybe uh, you've ever, if you've ever wondered that, what is the mission of the church? What are we supposed to be doing as God's people? And uh, today's uh, value. Let me think here. Today's value uh, is focused in on that, and the, that value is is that we are a mission focused church. We are a mission focused church. We're going to talk a little bit about what that means today, and I want to send us to the New, Ten- to the New Testament in chapter Matthew. Let me just slow down, slow down, Marco. Matthew chapter 28 in verses 18 through 20. These will be the words of Jesus, and this is right after Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He is appearing to his disciples in Galilee. Okay, and I want you to notice what Jesus says here. He's about to give them the mission. It says here, in beginning in verse number 18, Then Jesus came to them, to the disciples, and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the mandate, the mission. This is what he wants us to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the words of Jesus. We're going to explain what these means, explain what they mean for us today, disciples some 2,000 years later. But before we do that, let's just take a moment and let's pray together as a, a body, and let's just ask God to meet us in this place right now. Let's, let's pray. Church, Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for today. And thank you, God. We're so grateful that we're about to turn four years. Man, you have been so incredibly faithful. I mean, it just it feels like yesterday, God, that we were unloading the trailer in the parking lot of that elementary school and getting ready for our first service. We were nervous. We didn't know how many people, if anyone, was going to show up, God. Um, but you've been so faithful. And so, God, we're just grateful. We're grateful for your presence here today, Lord. Um, God, we continue to pray just for the church in Afghanistan. We pray for um, our Afghan allies who were left behind. We pray for American citizens who are still there, who want to be, uh, who, who want to leave. Lord, Lord, may you shelter them May you make safe passage, uh, find a way for them to exit, Lord, safely. Would you hide them, God, in the shelter of your wings? Lord, I pray for the church, that the church would just arise in courage. I know that there are many Christians who are actually choosing to stay. And so, God, um, would you multiply, rapidly grow your church? God, we know that every time the church is under persecution or under pressure, it grows, God, and so would you do that here? Would you do that in Afghanistan, God? Would your kingdom come to bear on that nation as it is in heaven? Lord, we also pray for um, the victims of Hurricane Ida in Louisiana, several other states as well, God. Um, would you have mercy upon those who have lost homes, who families who have lost loved ones, God, um, show us what we can do as well to come alongside of them, to bless them, to pray for them, God. Lord, would you bring your kingdom there, God, as it is in heaven. Lord, have mercy, God. Uh, may people find shelter, uh, food, Lord, uh, clothing, the things that they need to survive, God. We pray that you might be with them in this hour. Lord, open our hearts and our eyes um, as we open your word this morning, God, give us courage to obey you, um, to put your word into action. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at these last verses or these last words in Matthew's gospel. And, and I think that, that Matthew kind of understood this, this, this idea that last words are in many times lasting words. In fact, I think Matthew, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he was very precise and very, I think, intentional of what words he wanted to stick out in the minds of his readers. And what we see Jesus saying here to his disciples as he appears to them alive, well, resurrected, 
For 40 days is what Luke tells us in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1. He says this, he says, hey, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the mission of the church. And, um, you know, normally we place a lot of emphasis on that phrase, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. We should, right? That's, that's, that's a huge part of what Jesus is saying to us in Matthew 28. But I, I think we often neglect that first verb, that first command. And what is that command? That command is go. It's the word go, right? Go. It's the first command. And actually, this first command sets up the rest of the verses thereafter. Right? Go. Go is an action verb, and it indicates action, right? Go indicates movement. In fact, go is the exact opposite of stagnation, or it's the exact opposite of uh, remaining still. Go is an action word. Uh, I love what one commentary has said about this verb, this one little verb, this one word, go. He said this, Going means crossing boundaries to make disciples. Going across the street. Going to dinner with an unbelieving friend. Going into the inner city. Going beyond one's comfort zone to take or to make the gospel accessible to the lost. Living life is going with a purpose every day. I love this, right? The command go, listen, the command go was not only written to the first disciples, it was also written to all of us today. This idea to go, to go and make disciples, it was, it was, it's our mandate, it's, it's, it's a command to us, right? Because why? Because we are now an extension of those very first disciples in Israel in the first century. We are an extension of those first disciples. So in other words, this, too, is our calling. This is our command from heaven. This is our mandate from heaven, our commission. It's not just a calling for a few individual people. It's not just a calling for, for Pastor Marco. It's not just a calling for the few people on staff at Radiant Church. It's a calling for all of us, every single believer, all disciples, for every single person. It's our calling. And so, listen, sadly enough, instead of being the great commission, I think that's, this has become the great omission. We've neglected it. We've left it out. We've, we've delegated it. Again, that, that's his job. That's, that's why I tithe, so my pastor can do that. So he can do that. that that's why I send to, to missionaries, so, so they can do that. That's... That's why I give there so that staff can do it. But, but that's not for me. This, this has become the great omission. Maybe you think to yourself, hey, man, I live in America. We live in America, and America is not a mission field. And I would say to you, think again. Hey, think again. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later today. What I want to do with the remainder of our time <clears throat> is I want to just set up a little brief sort of, a, I want to build a brief theology of missions for you. We'll look at some biblical texts here, just kind of 
How do we come to understand missions and evangelism? What in the Bible sort of brings us to this belief besides Matthew chapter 28, that we're supposed to go, that we're supposed to what? Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so we're going to be sort of all over Scripture. And I want to start with John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. John chapter 20, verses 19, it says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Right? They're, they're happy. They're excited. He's alive, right? He's, he's resurrected. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. And then, and then notice what Jesus says here. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I want to say is we, as we build this theology of missions, of evangelism, the first thing I want to say this morning is this, is that Jesus was the first missionary. Jesus was the first missionary, right? John chapter 20, what is Jesus saying here? He's just said this. He says, listen, as the Father has sent me, has sent Jesus, so now I am sending all of you, sending me, sending you, sending those first disciples. Who first sent Jesus? His heavenly Father. Jesus was the first missionary. We're all familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16. So, For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his one and only Son, whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life or everlasting life. Jesus was the first missionary when we were far off from God. When we were trying to run away from God, Jesus was running after us. God sent his one and only son to pursue us. We didn't want anything to do with God. All right, that's all of us in here. And God sent his son to come chasing after us. Jesus was the first one on mission. In the, the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has this encounter with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is what you call the chief tax collector. And Zacchaeus is actually in cahoots with the Roman Empire. And so Zacchaeus is hated by everybody, okay? No one likes Zacchaeus because he has sided with the Romans in collecting taxes. And, of course, he has hiked up those taxes to make a profit for himself. And so in first century Israel there, the Jews hated Zacchaeus. And Jesus has this conversation, this encounter with Zacchaeus. He actually has a, a he goes to his house. He has a meal with him. And here's what Jesus says in Luke 19 and verse 10. He says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is the mission right here. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All of the religious people around Zacchaeus are muttering. They are very upset because Jesus went to hang out with a sinner. Jesus went to hang out with a tax collector. And they're wondering, how? Why would you spend all of your time 
with someone who doesn't even love you, someone who doesn't want anything to do with you. And Jesus says to them, listen, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. You see, Jesus, God sent Jesus on mission from heaven to come to seek and to save the lost. God did not give up on humanity, even though we had sinned, even though we had rebelled. And I understand to even just mention the word sin now in our culture is, is extremely offensive to so many people, right? We're like, I don't sin. What are you talking about? That's, that's extremely offensive. I'm a good person. Hey, man, I'm just trying to do what I, I'm just trying to do the right thing, right? I'm just trying to live my life. Why are you saying I'm a sinner? So many people get so angry, so offended by now that idea, this idea that we, we've sinned. But it's the truth. All of humanity, we've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's standard, God's glory. But listen, the good news is that God did not leave us in our sin. Listen to what Genesis 3 says. Shortly after the fall of mankind, God speaks to the serpent and says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between you and your, between your offspring and hers. And he, speaking to the serpent now, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. You see, right here in the early pages of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, God announced that a male descendant would come. Someone would come from Eve, and he would someday deal with the serpent, a fatal blow. God says, listen, he will come, he will come from Eve, and he will crush your head. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. Genesis chapter 3, this is what scholars call the proto-euangelion, or the proto-evangelion. And what does that mean? That means this. This is the first announcement of the gospel. This is the first announcement of the good news. Right in Genesis chapter 3, it's almost as if God is saying, Satan, you think that you've won right here now. You think that you have overcome mankind in the world, but I promise you, someone will come. He will come. He will be an offspring of Eve, and he, Satan, will crush your head. You will bruise his heel, but he will destroy the works that you have planned. You see, Jesus was the first missionary, and when we had strayed far from God, when we had run far from God, when we were sick of God, when we didn't want anything to do with the church, whatever it might, be, whatever it might have been for you, listen, God sent his one and only son. Aren't you glad that, that God has not for, given up on you, right? And anyone glad this morning? Now, I'm so glad that God did not give up on me because I was so stubborn, I was so hard-headed. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you're thinking you're too far off. Let me just read, let me just encourage you this morning. Listen, you're not too far off from God. He has not given up on you. He has sent his one and only son to die in your place, to live the life that you could not live. He has not given up on you. 
Let's look at another passage of Scripture this morning. This is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Again, this is Jesus speaking. He says this, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The second point that helps us to build our theology of missions is this, is that everywhere is a mission field. Everywhere is a mission field, right? Missionaries understand that everywhere is a mission field. Everywhere is a mission field. It means this, the moment that you drive out of this parking lot here in another 30 minutes or so, you are leaving here and you are entering your mission field, all right? The moment that you drive off of the parking lot, you have entered your mission field. Our neighborhoods are our mission field. Our, our schools, our college campuses, those are our mission fields. In many cases, our own families, right? Our own families are our own mission fields. Our places of employment are our, our mission field. The places where we shop, the places where we go, maybe if you belong to a gym, the places where we go and work out, those are our, that's our mission field, right? When Jesus was asked, again, why do you eat and drink with sinners and tax collectors? Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And let me just tell you, unfortunately, there, there are sick people everywhere, right? There are sick people everywhere. They're all around us. Listen, you don't have to travel 7,000 miles across the globe to be a missionary. You can just travel 200 feet across the street to your neighbor, okay? And that's the mission field, to simply have a conversation, to enter into a relationship. You don't need to travel all the way to Africa. You don't need to go to Afghanistan. You can simply go across your street or go right next door. That's your mission field. Everywhere is our mission field. Finally, I, wanna, I want us to look together at Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Speaking of the early church, the first disciples, the first church, says this. Every day they continued, these are, these are the disciples, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And there's more to that, but I simply wanted to show you one verse to show you this. My third point here is that every church is a mission base. Every church, church is a mission base. Here's what I want to say to you. The church scattered is also the church gathered, right? The church that scatters is also the church that gathers. Why is that important? I think it's important because of this. You know, every once in a while, I hear people tell me, I think they have good intentions. They come up to me and say, hey, hey, Pastor Marco, we don't need to go to church. We need to be the church. I'm like, preach on, preacher? I'm like, I'm with you. Like, yeah, that's, yes. We don't need to go to church. We need to be the church. I'm like, yes. And then they'll keep going. Therefore, I'm no longer going to church. And I'm like, whoa, you know what? The church is dumb. Those Christians are idiots. 
And that pastor's lame. I don't need the church. I'm going to be the church. And I say, whoa, 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 slow down, my friend. That is incorrect. That is bad ecclesiology. That ecclesiology simply means the doctrine of the church. That is anti-biblical ecclesiology. I get your zeal. I understand your heart. And I get it. We're imperfect. And, and the church has hurt people. Absolutely. Yes. Amen. That's happened. We can all acknowledge that. This is what I tell people who've been hurt by a church. You get one bad haircut, right? doesn't mean that you stop going to barbers for the rest of your life. You never do that. You just go somewhere else. Right? You may have had one bad church experience, so maybe you need to find somewhere else. Listen, the church scattered is also the church gathered. And this is what I want to say. When people say, hey, you know what? I'm no longer going to church. I just want to be the church. Here's what I want to say. This is not an either-or scenario, you guys. This is not an either-or scenario. This is both and, okay? So many Christians, maybe, a lot, maybe not a lot of Christians, okay? Maybe it's just very few, maybe, actually. A few Christians want to make this an either-or scenario. It's not. It's a both and. We do both and. We gather and we scatter. We do both, okay? It's, we gather and we scatter. No, no, no. I want to just be the church. We need to be the church. Well, we are being the church by gathering. Hello, right? We gather and we go, okay? We gather and we go. Why? Because every church is a mission-based. Let me just say this. The church is both go and tell and come and see, okay? The church is both go and tell and come and see. It's both go and tell and come and see. It's not one or the other. It's not one at the expense of the other. We simply do both. My friend, I wish he was my friend, actually. He's not my friend. <laughs> my favorite You'll get it in a second. My favorite theologian, I was going to say my friend. My friend, why not? I'll call him my friend. My friend Wayne Grudem, he says there are three, he's a theologian, there are three purposes for the church, three purposes of the church. The first purpose of the church, guess what? It's to worship, okay? We do that when we gather together. The second purpose of the church is to edify the believer. What does that mean? To build believers, to that you might grow, that you might become more mature, that you would become edified, built up in your spiritual man, okay? The third reason or the third purpose of the church is what? To be a witness to a lost and dying world. So we don't have to fight over what we should do. Here's what, here's what I experienced in the local church. Some of you are more bent on the worship part. And that's awesome. Like, can we, hey, Pastor Marco, can we just worship instead of, I don't want you to preach. I don't, I don't really like it when you preach. I just want to, I just want you to, I just want to worship. Can we do like eight songs? I'm like, well, that's good, but you know what? We actually need the edification. We need to be built up. We need the word of God to be proclaimed. Oh, okay. Some of you are more bent on this idea of being built up. You're like, hey, I just want to have an hour sermon. I don't really like worship. I don't get into worship. Um, and I say, no, we, we've got to have both, right? And then we also have to what? We have to scatter and become a witness to the world. Some of you guys, you're, you're more 
Um, you have, like, huge compassionate hearts, and I love that. You just want to go out. You're like, hey, when's the next outreach? Hey, let's do this. Hey, we're going to go here. Hey, why aren't we doing that? Hey, I got to do this. And I'm like, hey, we're going to do some of that, I promise you, but let's not do it at the expense of the other things. Amen, church? You might be more wired for, for missions, for evangelism. Praise God for that. That's awesome. But don't say preaching is dumb, and don't say worship is a waste of time. Because the purpose of the church is to worship God, right? The purpose of the church is also to what? To build up the church. And the purpose is also to what? To be a witness to the world, right? All three of those. We don't have to fight one another, okay? We simply can do all three of those things. Every church is a mission base, is a mission base right? Every church is a mission base. Now, here's what I want to do with the remainder of our time. I want to get really, really practical, and this is kind of a, a primer on evangelism. It's very simple. It's not complex. And let me just say this. When it comes to evangelism, let me, as your pastor, let me just say this, that I understand that we're living in a post-Christian world now for the most part. I understand that we're living in the face of postmodernism. I get that. So I also understand that there are many, many, many challenges facing disciples when it comes to evangelism now. I get that, and I get those things, and I'm reading all about that. And I promise you, I'm going to take you deeper in some of that stuff because that's been on my heart, and there's something coming this fall that I'm going to teach. I don't know how it's going to look like, but there's a lot stirring up in my heart and my soul when it comes to postmodernism, when it comes to a post-Christian world that we live in. I get that, okay? I'm not going to address those things necessarily today because we just don't have the time but I am going to address just some, some simple things. This is kind of a, a primer on evangelism, okay? Very, very practical. How can we be missionaries today, everyday life that we live, okay? Three simple things that we're going to talk about. The first one is this. Invest to invite. Invest to invite, okay? This, is simply, this simply means this, that we invest in relationships to invite. We invest in relationships to invite to gatherings. We invest in relationships to invite to church or to gatherings. Social media invites are good. Personal invites are better. All right? Social media invites are good. Personal invites are better. This is, this is what we call the come and see approach of the Bible. This is from John chapter 1. Many of you are familiar with John chapter 1. One, all right? This is where Jesus finds Philip, okay? Philip becomes a disciple. Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. Nathaniel is a skeptic, okay? Philip tells Nathaniel, We have found the one whom the prophets have spoken of. In other words, we found the Messiah. I think you should come and check this guy out, right? Nathaniel asks the question, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Because Philip tells him, He's from Nazareth, right? He's a skeptic. Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip responds, come and see, right? Come and see. Simply the power of the invite. It's investing in a relationship to invite to a gathering. Next week, we have a gathering at night. And for, for some of your friends, they won't come, they won't come to church because they think it's stupid. They think it's irrelevant. They think we're all judgmental bigots, and I get it. I've read all the articles. I get it. I've read the Barna research, right? So they won't come to something like this on a Sunday morning. 
But if you invite them to free food, they might come. I'm serious. I'm dead serious, right? Like, hey, we're going to have bouncy houses. Hey, there's no sermon that night. Hey, there's going to be hamburgers, hot dogs, I think cookies. You know, it's all going to be free. Just come and hang out. I just, I want to introduce you to some of my church family. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, oh, I guess I'll come. Like, it's free food. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll show up, right? I'll show, for a, show up for a half hour. Okay, hey, hey, man, that's all good. Like, come for a half hour. That's awesome, right? Investing in a relationship to invite to a gathering, right? So invest in invite. When, when, when we're done with today's message, I want us to just simply take a few moments to pray about someone that God puts on your heart that maybe he would call you to invest and invite. Number two, the, the second thing we can do is this, is if we share your story. You can share your story. This comes from John chapter 4. This is John chapter 4. This is where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, and Jesus reveals to this woman that he is the Messiah, all right? He's the Savior, and she has this revelation. She comes to belief, and she's so excited that she's going to go back to her town to tell everybody about who she met. She's going to tell the story about how Jesus told her everything about her life. This is what it says in John chapter 4, verse 39. It says this, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, believed in Jesus. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So all this is right here, all this is is just sharing your story, your personal story about how you came to know Jesus. That's, that's, that's all this is, okay? And the beauty of sharing your story is that you can do it anywhere and you can do it at any time, okay? You don't need a stage like I have one, right? You don't need a stage, though. You don't need that. You don't need a platform. You don't need a following on social media. In other words, you don't need 100,000 you know, Instagram followers. I know I think that's cool that those influencers who do share the gospel, that's great, okay? But you don't even need that. You just simply need a story. And guess what? Everyone has one. Everyone has one. You just need a story. Because the idea is this, is that people may be able to debate the Bible. Because I know a lot of people are doing that right now, okay? A lot of people are debating certain verses in the Bible and saying, you know what? I just can't. I just can't agree with that. A lot of people are debating the sexual ethics in the Bible. I don't. I just want to sleep with who I want to sleep with. Like I don't agree with that. A lot. You, and you can debate all those verses. It's true. You can. But you can't necessarily debate a story. You can debate Jesus, but you can't debate your story. Jesus. Or there was a man in John chapter 9, he was a blind man. Jesus healed him. He's being questioned by Pharisees, and notice what he says here. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. In other words, he's saying, listen, I don't, I don't know all the details about Jesus, okay? I don't think he's a sinner, but all right, here's the one thing I do know. I was lost, and now I'm found, okay? I was blind, and now I can see. This is what happens when you share your story. Yeah, but what about that one Bible verse with the Canaanites and Joshua and genocide? Listen, man, I, I know there's good books on that, and I, and I know that there's answers. There's good answers for you, but here's my story, okay? Here's my story. 
Yeah, but what about this verse in the, in the New Testament where God does that and, and it's, it seems violent and I don't know if I could... Listen, I, I know there are good answers for you and I promise you I'm not trying to skate around those answers. I'm just, I do, I'm just here to tell you my story with Jesus, man. This is, what I, this is how, who I used to be and this is who I am now. I was blind and now... I can see. Finally, number three, here's what we can do. Shine your light. We can shine our light. What does it mean to shine your light? It just simply means this. These are good deeds of service done in the name of Jesus, right? Good deeds of service done in the name of Jesus. Acts of generosity done in the name of Jesus. Matthew 5 Verse 15 and 16, Jesus speaking says this, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. He's talking to, dis- to disciples. He's talking to all of us today. Let your light shine before others so that, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in Heaven, Jesus says, listen, your good deeds are to be a witness to the fact that God is real and that God cares, right? So when you act generously to someone, when you decide to cut your neighbor's grass, when you do a kind act of service for someone, when you buy someone their lunch, when you buy someone their coffee, when you do something generous, you simply serve someone else, You do it in the name of Jesus so that, why? So that people will see your good deeds and glorify their Father in heaven. So that they might say for just a moment, maybe there is a God and possibly this God might just care about me because he sent you. Right? Simple. It's just an act of service. This is the reason why we do serve day. This is the reason why I essentially beg all of you. (laughs) Will you come out? Will you come out to Bangor Elementary and paint the playground? Will you go to the park with all of us and help to cut the grass and get rid of the weeds? Would you go to that greenhouse in Essexville and would you serve in that way? Would you go here with us? Why? Because we're trying to serve the city so that others might see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. That's why we do that. But here's the good news. We don't have to always do this together. We can, but you can do it on your own. You can buy someone their lunch. You can buy someone a coffee at McDonald's, right? If you're really cheap, I think the McDonald's coffee is what, $1.25? Those cheapos among us, right? You don't have to buy them Starbucks. I know Starbucks is like $6.00. You can just start with McDonald's and build your way up, okay? Serve, right? Shine your light. Share your story. Invest in someone and invite them to a gathering. Maybe it's not church. Maybe it's a worship night. Those are three simple things. And you're thinking, yeah, but Pastor Marco, we live in a postmodern world. I get it. I'm going to address that this fall. I promise you I'm working on some stuff right now. I'm still sort of in research and nerd mode, okay? So I'm reading up about that stuff. But listen, these are three simple things that I think 
any of us can do. Any of us can do. So that, what? So that people might glorify their Father in heaven. So that people might know Jesus. Why? Because we're supposed to be a mission-focused church. Jesus says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Let's just pray for a few moments together and let's ask God to maybe reveal some people in our spheres of influence that we could potentially do one of these three things this week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you so much. Um, God, I thank you that you did not give up on me. I rejected people over and over and over again. (laughs) I was so stubborn. I was so hard-hearted. And you did not give up on me. God, thank you that you did not give up on us. And if there's someone this morning who feels far from you, Lord, I pray that you might remind them that you sent your one and only son to pursue them, to seek and to save the lost, to bring them back home so that they might have a relationship with you. Remind us that we are not too far off. God, would you remind all of us this week, would you just bring to memory, would you bring to mind somebody in our sphere of influence, God? Just Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's um, just somebody we randomly meet, God, this week. How would you press upon our heart this week how we can invest and invite? Would you press upon our heart that maybe you're leading us to, to share our story, our testimony, God, would you show us this week someone who we can, we can just serve, someone we can serve this week, God. Maybe it's we buy them lunch. Maybe we cut their grass. Maybe we take out their trash. God, whatever it is, we know you'll show us. So, Lord, would you show us how we can shine our light in a dark world, God? How we can show kindness, Lord, so that we might be a mission-focused church, so that people will see our Heavenly Father and glorify Him. So that one day, God, one day in heaven, we'll see people there. We'll talk to people there. And they will say, you know what? I was, <laughs> I had walked away from God. I had washed my hands of Christianity. But then you came and you shared your story. You came and you cut my grass. You came and you served me. And I thought to myself, man, maybe I should give Jesus one so that our light would shine forth in this city. Lord, we thank you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, as we um, wrap up, let me just say one more thing.